I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. 100% Hits Compilation Series. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week for the first time, please welcome into your ears, into your hearts, all the way from New Zealand, it's Tim Bat, everyone. Yay! G'day, you fair dinkum Aussie buggers. How the <laughs> bloody hell are ya? That's exactly how we sound. That's how we talk. It's great. Thank you for, thank you for accommodating everyone. Uh, I'm all about cultural relevance and acclimating myself to whoever's hosting me. So it's a it's a great pre- pleasure and a privilege to be here on um, Aussie podcast soil with you, Josh. How, how is it when when you tell New Zealanders I'm I'm going to do an Aussie podcast? Do they kind of go, yeah. oh, not one of those ones where it's all mean? Is that, um, is that the reputation? I think with the people I hang out with, they kind of roll their eyes as soon as I say I'm doing anything podcast related again and tune out immediately. So they're just, they're sick of it. They don't want to hear it. Well, we're going to talk about the songs from Autumn 2002. So the previous episode was Spring 2001. So it's When's been... Autumn? When's is this autumn? a good time for me to bring up that I'm not good with the seasons? Autumn is April, no, is it March, April, May? That's All awesome. right, so pre uh, pre nine eleven. No, I got to say the, the it was post nine eleven. Nine eleven was two thousand one, mate. What is, what year is this? Two thousand and two. Some of the songs are from two thousand one, but it was released autumn two thousand and two. That's how they were selling it. So the towers have fallen. We've all been yeah. mourning for six months. David Letterman came back on TV and said it's okay to laugh again, and we're back. Have you talked about the Clear Channel memo? Those that that list of banned songs in the states. This was such a. I have th- yes. See, you you have talked about this, but many 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 episodes ago. Because the so, the one thing we had because we just played Jerry Halliwell's "It's Raining Man," which was mm. a hit, and then couldn't couldn't air that anymore. Also, I don't think you should call it Jerry Halliwell's "It's Raining Men." <laughs> Jerry Halliwell's version of yes. "It's Raining Men." That's what we played though. Yeah, 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 gotcha. The The list is worth looking up. And like, as a man of a certain vintage, I distinctly remember all this happening. What was I, 12, 13? Great. I think, something like that. It was a weird time, man. Oh. Like, not just the big news event, but culturally, it was all fucking weird. I've said it on the show before, but I haven't said it to you. So listeners, I want, I want Tim's reaction here. So I was at uni. I was in third year uni, and it happened in the evening. I saw the first one, first how get hit, and went, I'm just going to go to bed. I didn't know it was a terrorist attack. I just thought someone mis- misguided the plane. Yep. Woke up. It was all over the news. I go to uni. The lecturers are like, okay, we, we'll talk about this. Anyone need like counseling or anything like that? And we're like, that's fine. And then at lunch, me and my friends were talking about it, and another friend walked over to us and went, are you guys still talking about that? Oh, my God. Like, I'm sick of talking about it. This was like not even 24 hours, Tim, after. And I said, what are you talking? It's the biggest thing that's ever happened in our lives. And he goes, as if it's the biggest thing. I said, what's bigger than this? He goes, ah, the Sydney Olympics. 
I'm like, amazing. <laughs> God bless the self-absorption of a third-year Australian uni student, eh? Yeah, yeah. Studying, studying performing arts. Unbelievable. So, there's been six months since the last one and this one, and I, I think the last one we had, uh, it looked, it was real, <clears throat> real like that commercial cookie cutter pop, and mm. I think I think we're kind of moving a little bit out of that here. Uh, listeners will know I, I was very much like the Strokes kind of came in at this time and and changed the way I consumed music. They were very wow. important to me. But in two thousand two, so you were saying what twelve years old? That sound, well, I was born in eighty seven. So what would that put me? Oh, so fifteen? No, yeah, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, yeah, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Great. You so, know what I was listening to my music on, Josh, at the time? A Sony mini disc. I was a real sucker for them. <laughs> Bloody loved those players. <laughs> Did you download music? Like oh, illegally? Yeah, like Napster? Lime oh, Wire? yeah. I, I, I destroyed many a home computer um, yep. thanks to LimeWire. Now, you're, I don't think we've ever talked about music, but seeing you're from New Zealand, I'm going to guess. Do you like, do you like dub? Uh, I lived in Wellington at a time where it was literally like you you couldn't fucking go anywhere without getting hit by either Salmonella Dub or Fat Freddy's Drop, and it, I, like I'm I'm at the point of oversaturation. I could quite happily never hear a dub track again. That being said, I'm a big fan of trumpet as an instrument, and I did play it for a couple of years at high school. Oh, nice. Well, so. When the Scar Revolution came back, were you like, yes, this is my time. This is my time to shine. Yeah, fuck yeah. Look, I, I uh, will semi-embarrassedly admit to you that didn't hate it. Didn't yeah. hate the Scar Resurgence. Didn't hate a bit of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 soundtrack, you know? Because that was kind of the most socially acceptable way for you to enjoy Scar or Scar-adjacent music. Yes. That's how, that's how I found about The Descendants, through mm. t- through Tony Hawk. It was like... There you go. I... Because I... I was gifted over a summer uh, a guy's uh, Nintendo when I was at uni and I got so addicted to it that when he came back from his holiday break, I was like, you need to take this out of my house. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm lying to my girlfriend. I'm getting up in the middle of the night when she falls asleep. I'm getting up to play it. I'm like, I didn't need to lie to her. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm on holidays. I don't have work to do. I was just playing Tony Hawk Skater throughout the night. And felt then I'd, bad though, didn't and it? And then I'd creep back into bed at like six in the morning and go, oh yeah, I slept terribly. Yeah. Well, if there was one good thing to come out of it though, a bit of music discovery. Before yeah. we had the, the Spotify algorithm, we had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go through these songs one by one. We're going to start off with someone who was at the top of her game in 2002. This is Britney Spears and her song, Overprotected. Here we go. Time, time, love, joy, joy, I need a space, love, I need me. Say hello to the girl that I am. You're gonna have to see through my perspective. I need to make mistakes just to learn who I am. And I don't wanna be so damn protected. Between my to say, what I is 
It does slap, doesn't it? It's a good song. And I like is, it. It's kind of a nerdy thing to say, but there is there's something about pop music and something about Britney Spears where like every element of all of her songs is so recognizably her. Yes. Like the the background vocal, there's so many production elements in it. There's just like there could not be any other artist except for Britney Spears. And this song is just like a hundred percent bullseye of all of those things. And look, I think it's taken on a bit more meaning in the last couple of years with her whole conservatorship and prescient, yeah, dead-eyed front-facing camera videos. Which the most recent, I don't know if you saw, with her dancing with knives. Oh boy! Yeah, she did. She did, she did Instagram live where she was dancing with knives, and her fans called the police and said, Can you "Wow, yeah, go on, I go was... and check her out." I've been a big free Britney guy for many, many years, so um, I am slightly disappointed to hear that maybe she's not as on the up and up as I had hoped these days. But yeah, what a um, uh, you couldn't you couldn't predict any better than a song title overprotected. It's sad, man. She lost like oh. ten years of her life, or more of yeah. her life, just like gone. It's crazy stuff. Yeah. So this song is from a third album called Britney, written by Max Martin and Rami. Uh, this, uh, in this song, just like her ex by this stage, Justin Timberlake, she does a, instead of saying me, she does a may. Like, As, was this introduction of may? Well, they we talk about when, uh, Timberlake was told by Max Martin, don't say me. So it's gotta be, you gotta say may. And they're huh. like, oh, but it's me. And he goes, no, no. And this was his Swedish kind of like accent and also second language go no it it works better as a song if you say may just just trust me and look who who can argue with the great max martin he seems to have some uh number ones in his pocket a hundred percent and it is a more lyrical i don't know sing-songy way of of referring to yourself you can't do it in a kiwi or an australian accent you can't say me you can't say me in a song can you it's gonna be me well we, we, we have a very famous song here uh what about me and yeah, Shannon Knowles. <laughs> is that Shannon Knowles? Yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> so he should have said, "What about May?" Yeah, that's a completely different thing. But it would be a great one to bust out for every month of May, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So the genesis of this song was while they were touring. Oops, I did it again to her. She said she'd been listening to a bunch of Jay Z and Neptunes, and wanted to record. And these are her words: a funkier sound, which I think is code for black. Black. Okay? Yeah, I yeah. think so too. <laughs> So this was the third single from the album. Her first being Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. So Britney really wanted to know the world that she was maturing and growing as an artist. Well, this uh, would have been right alongside the movie. Not yes. Yet a Girl, Not... What is it? Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. Crossroads. Crossroads. Yeah. Do you know they're bringing Crossroads back out in the cinema? Are you kidding me? No, in like a, like October 22nd, October 23rd to coincide... Because she's got a memoir coming out, which everyone cannot wait to read i can't i'm gonna buy it like i did, look if you told me two years ago you're gonna be very excited for britney spears's memoir i'll be like no i'm not but this show has damaged my brain so much that i cannot wait she's it's not her first book though she's written a few yeah have you this, read any of the previous ones i've not read the previous ones but this one will have all all the juice all all the dirt yeah that's this is, true this is, yeah this um, one's got the tea oh that's so crazy i want to see that movie yes yeah have you ever seen it not once, and I. It, that's kind of weird. I would love to see it. I need to see it. <laughs> I, I like how you say not once, as if like watching movies multiple times is normal for everyone else. For those <laughs> who don't know, Tim does a podcast where they watch movies multiple times. For a whole year, in fact. 
Crossroads um, would be a fantastic contender for worst idea, I think, for a whole season of that. Well, written by Shonda Rhimes, one of the first uh, big, big projects. Huh. And uh, people, look, reading the reviews to do research for this, people are saying that Britney's performance in it is actually good. She's not, she's not the thing that makes it bad. So Kim Cattrall's in it. Uh, who else? Uh, there's a whole bunch of people who actually, you know, decent performers. And, that um, actually yeah. would it would be a fantastic cinema going experience. I think I might if this is happening in New Zealand as well to promote the memoir. I might grab some friends and go check it out. Go, go see Crossroads. So Overprotected was uh, nominated for the Grammy for best female pop performance. Lost to Nora Jones and her song Don't Know Why. Um, it got to number Don't one. Don't know why I couldn't. <laughs> Call it home. I don't number, know what the words are. Number one in Poland and went top 10 in 15 countries, only 16 in Australia and in New Zealand, not released as a single. Well, I was going to say, I don't remember this and this would have been right around the era that I, I would have heard this stuff. But if there's one thing I know about pop music, it's if you had it big in Poland, you've <laughs> smashed it. You've clocked the machine. That's, that's, you've really done well for yourself. Forget Billboard, Poland. Uh, so Poland. in New Zealand, uh, they flipped it around. So this was the B-side. And the A-side was Slave For You, which got to 13. Oh, do you know why? Oh, wait. No, that was Poison. I was going to say because the music video features Martin Henderson, who's a New Zealand actor, who weirdly got oh. cast as like the leading guy in um, a music video, but it's actually Poison, which I think did better. So good for him and good for New Zealand. <laughs> but very weird for us. I mean, was, was Slave For You a big hit in Australia? I think because it, it was the B side, so I remember Slave for You. I don't really remember this. I look because have you seen John Early's uh, special Now More Than Ever? No, I don't. It's, think I it's have. on HBO in this country. It's on binge. Uh, very very funny. But he plays this song and he goes, "I'm going to do it's Britney." And and I'm like, I don't know this song. So True. In 2002, yeah, I, I wasn't listening to any any commercial radio. I was just by osmosis because I was at that age where you don't get to kind of decide. Every, like you're in either friends' cars or your parents' car or whatever. You're in, you're in a lot of cars yeah. and everyone's listening to their radio station. So you get kind of bombarded with, um, you know, classic pop hits that are charting at the time. And I don't remember this one at all. But well, Slave For You was massive. It was everywhere. But I had to listen to it ahead of um, this recording. I mean, it slaps. I can tell good. why it did so so well in Poland. Well, one song I'm sure you do know is our next song. She's she's back in the charts. Number one in America for streams. This is Kylie Minogue and her song, Can't Get You Out of My Head. Here we go. would like to play the whole thing but i cannot play this it. song couldn't be bigger this is like the biggest song that there's ever been ever and listening to it kind of fresh right now how much work and this may get me killed the next time that i set foot on australian soil how much work 
is Kylie Minogue doing on this track? Her vocals are like reasonably far back in the mix. Yeah. It's that it's that plonking like synthy melody that's doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. It's all Kathy Dennis and Rob Davis. They're the two writers of it. So we talked about Kathy Dennis. She had a song on on the podcast that we talked about. And we've talked about Rob Davis before because he wrote a song for a band called Fragma. The song is Toker's Miracle, which is only a few few uh, episodes ago. Both Kathy Dennis one is not too great. Toker's Miracle, great song. Okay, great song. This song okay. was initially offered to S Club 7. They turned it down. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this you podcast. You can swear. Idiot. Fucking idiot. Then... They offered it to Sophie Ellis Baxter, you know, Murder on the Dance Floor. Yes. They turned it down. Oh, my God. But in her defense, she said that she never got the offer. Her management team did and turned it down, sight unseen. Yeah, that's going, fair. Nah, I don't want that. No, yeah. That's so, the whole point of a management team. And you never, I I, you, know, you never know. If Sophie Ellis Baxter had this, who knows if it would have been the the man. But then again, I guess my point is, it definitely would have been. Like, it is almost irrelevant who is singing on this track. (laughs) It could have been you, Josh. They could have given the track to you. I think you would have done, like, a fine job. Maybe got to 15, maybe 12 on the charts. Well, it sold over 5 million copies. Went number one in 40 countries. Australia. That is so many, man. New Zealand. Hungary, all included. Okay. Um. Number seven in the US. First time I was going to ask about America. That yeah. sucks. First time she'd been in the US top ten since she got to number three with Locomotion in eighty eight. So fifteen why years. I, why did I think that Locomotion was um, Olivia Newton John? Because all Australians look the same to you guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't know Locomotion was that big. I didn't think that would have got to in the top ten in America. Dude, locomotion was huge. I just thought it was someone else. I actually thought Kylie Minogue was like too young to have done locomotion. I think that's why I attributed to um, Olivia Newton-John. Maybe that's why it went big in America. Maybe they also thought it was Olivia Newton-John. Maybe they did. They got confused. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Okay, so switcheroo. So this was from her eighth album, Fever. Uh, Everett True of The Guardian said the song was her transition from Girl Next Door to flirtatious, sophisticated persona. It took eight albums? To go from Girl Next Door to... Because everyone, especially in the UK, knew her as neighbours and then coming over there, being a sparkly like guest on a talk show, chat show. I mean, then she did like... She dated Michael Hutchins. She did songs with Nick Cave. She was, you know, she was still being sexy. But when she tried to, in the UK especially, uh, go a bit edgier, they hated it. So she did this album called Impossible Princess, had um, like did it again and all this kind of stuff. Like, and she tried to have like a kind of indie kind of cred. They were like, nah, that's not Kylie. Nah. Oh, Even shit. though that, that, that album did well here, they were like, nah, that's not what we want from Kylie. Then this one came out and she's, they're like, yeah, this is, this is Kylie. We love you. Give, give us a dance floor hit that anyone could be doing the vocals on and then we will make it chart. Yeah. Also, I've just got to shout out because um, the most recent Adam Curtis, I don't know if you're familiar with him, BBC documentary maker, yeah. uh, titled his most recent series, Can't Get You Out of My Head. I tell you what, do not watch those series while you're stoned. They are too dense. That's the six-part season where you go, what is this about? And then you all there's one about Tupac's parents. Is that is that in that one? That's I right. Yeah, particularly yeah. Tupac's mother who was a, um, basically black a black revolutionary. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so in 2012, uh, PRS Music, which is the UK agency that uh, collects royalties on behalf of songwriters and composers, their their APRA, this mm. was the most popular song of the decade. It got the most airplay and live covers in the 2000s. Holy shit! Wait, what kind? What territories version of APRA? The UK. Fuck, that is crazy. Yeah. So Kylie getting those checks, and rightly so. Good on her. All right, gonna move on to Australia. Who an artist? I don't know if you'd know. This is Paul Mac. And their song, The Sound of Breaking Up with Petra Morris as well. I went on a real journey with this one. I'd never heard the song before, as far yep. as I know, before today. Listened to it before. Hated it. Listened to it again <laughs> just now with you, Josh. Didn't mind it. I can see how this would have grown on people. Was this big? We, no, not big. But it's because we were staring at each other's eyes as we listened to it, Tim. That's why. Yeah, that was nice. No. Uh, so this has got Paul Mac. Uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Hing on the episode uh, and their song, Just The Thing. Uh, this also has Peter, That also had Peter Morris on it, who... He met at an open mic in a town called Katoomba, which is in the Blue Mountains, uh, which is also I've inspired. Been Have you been to Katoomba? I think so. I've def- I spent Christmas at the Blue Mountains one time. Katoomba is like a really cool little artsy town, uh, and they met at an open mic. He was already is... like an ARIA award-winning uh, performer. Went to an open mic, saw Pe- Pe- Peter Morris sing, and went, "Cool, yeah. I'm going to get her on the album." That is so mean. What a great way to discover someone. Yeah. I, I, People hear stories like that and it inspires them to go to open mics. But I, I, I expect the stats of getting like any kind of record deal or chart, um, you know, charting hit off the back of an open mic performance. You've got to be like point zero 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 one percent. If you're listening to this and this is inspiring you to go to an open mic, do it. But don't do it for this reason. Do it for yourself. Yep. Uh, last time we talked about uh, Paul Mac, we talked about his first band called Smash Mac Mac which he did with his older brother, Greg. Uh, their stage names were Mac Major and Mac Minor. Very great. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mention this. They released a seven inch and they got them done themselves and they got them in weird pizza box artwork, uh, Sick. which sounds cool, but they didn't protect the album. The oh, no. oh, like it was literally cardboard on the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and so they all got warped. And um, even Paul Max says, if you see them, buy them, because I don't have any. I lost all mine in a flood. And so they, they would be worth oh, no. a bit of money. Yeah. 
Well, I, look, just assuming because there's not a lot of them that they're worth a lot of money. I don't know <laughs> if that's a given, but well, they could be rare. Valuable is a different question. So after Smash Mac Mac uh, broke up, he joined a, a very influential dance uh, troupe in this country called Itchy and Scratchy. Uh, they won an aria in 95 for best dance release and Paul Mack made headlines because in his uh, aria speech, he thanked Australia's ecstasy dealers. That's so sick. That yeah. is a great shout out and like totally apt for a dance producer. Well, that's what he said. He didn't think any, like he didn't think they'd win. So he kind of didn't have a speech and it wasn't even his band. He joined the band, but the guys who... The guy who actually wrote the song wasn't there. He was like, I'm not going to that. That's not my scene. And right. so he kind of ad-libbed the, the speech and went, who, who's important for the dance culture in this country? All right, XTC dealers. There you go. Legendary. That's so yep. right. Oh, good on him. That's a very, like, honest acknowledgement. Yeah. And then he went to form dissociatives with uh, Silverchair's Daniel Johns. But we talked about that last time. All right, moving the on. The guy from Silverchair, is that, is that the singer, the main guy? Yeah, yeah. I was at a music festival, like an indoor music festival in New Zealand once. When was it? So it was a, I think I was in high school. So this, is a, this is going back. And the um, lead singer from Silverchair, I was on my mate's shoulders, who was really tall. My mate's like six foot four. And I was on his shoulders and the singer from Silverchair made eye contact with me for a long time. And I, I don't think it was a friendly kind of eye contact. I've was never he on, forgotten Was it. he on stage? He was on stage. He was performing. Maybe he thought you were a very, very tall person. Yeah, like when you get two kids in a trench coat. You're yeah. right, because he couldn't see the guy under me. He was it's... like, man, that 10-foot tall guy's got a tiny head. <laughs> Crazy stuff. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. Still uh, kind of Australia. This is Danny Minogue teamed up with uh, some Dutch DJs, DJ Ziki and Dobra. They're going under the name Reva, and this is their song, Who Do You Love Now? Danny, thanks, Reva. I mean, once again, I'm probably going to get myself shot next time I turn up in your beautiful country. But uh, don't you reckon the vocals kind of kill that track? Because that is like a banging dance track. It's so funny because it started off as an instrumental. Well, I think it should have remained as an instrumental, personally. But I am pretty hot on instrumentals. I'm not a big lyrics guy. I think by saying negative things about Danny won't affect you in this country. Okay, so We've kind of done that as a national pastime for the last 40 years. Sure. But I'm going to stand up for Danny. I think this, look, her voice, Kylie's voice, not much different. 
Like you, you, like we heard Kylie before. She wasn't doing yeah. too much on the track. Danny yeah. here, I think, probably singing better. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, she's I been, don't, I don't she's been working for forty years. I'm I'm going to say Danny, clearly talented. And if you're working for forty years, must be good to work with. That's, that's also Josh Earl's uh, Josh Earl's opinion of Danny Minogue. Good on you, Digger. <laughs> there, there you go. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, so Danny also did the work on this. She sang it in two different languages, English and French, mainly for the Canadian market. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The things we do for for hits and business and downloads. Oh, I guess it's not downloads back then, is it? It's bloody no. actual record sales. But uh, the Canadian uh, market didn't really want it, so they didn't release it in Canada. Uh, but <laughs> they didn't they release it. God <laughs> damn! Did she learn the French for that? Because that is painful. <laughs> but they oh, did, Danny, they did release it in France. Okay, so it wasn't all yeah. But the main reason was to go in the uh, French Canadian market. Uh, so this song got to number three in the UK. And stayed in the top 50 for 15 weeks, which is Danny's longest stay in the UK charts. What were you doing, Canada? Give it a nudge, uh, for I, God's you, sake. You think after that you'd go, oh, we better listen. So after the success of this, she signed with London Records a six-album deal. And so far she's done two albums. That's in 2001. So oh, my God. She's still got four to go. I believe Wait in you, Danny. You can do Wait it. Wait a minute. Does that mean Danny has Danny Minogue like my understanding of record deals? She can't release albums with other people, right? No. <laughs> has she just only released like two albums ever? From post two thousand. From that point, only two two albums. God damn. Yep. Um, but look, she's busy. She's been in the news a bit because uh, she hosts a uh, TV show called "I Kissed a Boy," which is a gay dating show where the contestants don't talk. They walk on, they meet each other and just kiss straight away and then they go off on their date. Okay. And, uh, and it's just a gay dating show that she's the host of and uh, a bit of backlash, she reckons. She said she had a lot of people angry. But I'm like, who's angry at Danny Minogue and doesn't know that she's very big in the gay community? What What is the backlash claim? That, what? Oh, that oh, she thinks that people are backlashing who are bigots, basically. Yes, yes. Okay, right. Yeah, no, I don't think that's... <laughs> Sorry, Danny, I don't think that's what's going on here. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think it might be something else. Because I don't think anyone is a Danny Minogue fan and Fuck doesn't... no. Yeah. No, okay, well, extended There was extended more to, to that wider family. Okay. No, <laughs> I don't think anyone is a Minogue fan, full stop. No, no one is a fan of either of the Minogue sisters and not familiar with their um, deep interweaving with the rainbow community the world yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's move on from Reva, which all... Great thing to claim if you don't chart, though. Great thing to claim. Yes. <laughs> right, this is New York. Still, still more dance music. This is the band called I.I.O. and their song called Rapture. <laughs> Do you remember this song at all? Big time. Yeah. This is huge here.
That's all we can play. I mean, that's a hit. I'm so, I know we're doing that later. I'm sorry, no. but that's just like, that song fucking slaps. Huge in New Zealand. I remember I, it well. I remember it as well. I don't remember the name of it though. And so when I Me saw neither. it on there, I'm like, oh, this will be one that I'll never have heard before. And then went, oh, this song, I do. I didn't, I didn't remember Overprotected, but I definitely remember this one. So they are, IIO, uh, Marcus Moser and Nadia Ali. So Nadia was working in the New York offices of Versace when a co-worker introduced her to Marcus Moser because he was looking for female singers to collaborate on some productions for a girl group he was trying to put together. And then she was writing lyrics on a laptop, which was the Sony Vio laptop. And so the original name was Vio. And then oh, my said, God. I love that. And then someone said, don't call it that because Sony will sue you. Sue so they the, the shit out of you. They dropped the VA and it's just IIO. So that's, that's how the name came from, which I think it, is great. As a bona fide computer nerd, that, uh, that warms the cockles of my heart to hear that someone named their chart-topping dance act after the Sony Vio line of computers. That Vio lives, by the way. People think it died. It didn't. They're still out there. Sony spun them off, and now they are just a high-end Japanese PC manufacturer making some very interesting devices. I got one in my cupboard right now. Bought it years ago. It's like the world's first big thick tablet thing. It's awesome. Bloody love it. Uh, uh, so this was their first release. Uh, they wrote it in 30 minutes. Amazing. And it's based on a relationship that she had uh, with an Australian man she met in a nightclub. Wow. Yeah. Do you... um. Uh, have you done that song? I'm sure it's been on one of these compilations. Um, White Town. Oh yes. Uh, what is it called? Your Woman. Yes. I think. Your Woman. Yes, we have done that. Same thing. A guy like I always remember this for some reason. The guy just like locked himself in his bedroom for two days and came out with that track and just released it and it just smashed. Yes. Sounds like uh, a similar thing. Yeah. It's a great song. Uh, so this got to number three in Australia, eight in uh, New Zealand, and in the UK, number two. 46 in the States, but on their dance charts, number two. Oh, damn. I like yeah. that they've got dance charts. Oh, um, they've got so many you, charts. It's so confusing. Are you allowed to play the start again or would that like go yeah. over your limit? No, I can play that. I can play up to check 40, this out. 40%. How, so, yes. How PlayStation 1 generation is this? That, <laughs> I love that. That is so, that's almost like getting towards the PlayStation 1 startup sound, which is, I maintain to this day, the most spine-tingly sound that exists on Earth. My kids, uh, we, we knew in the lockdowns they were watching too much TV when the Netflix boom-boom happened and one of them turned the other one and went, I love that sound. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, oh, guys, no. outside, go touch some grass. Yeah, um, hey, we're going to take a break now, hear from some sponsors, then we're going to come back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back. All right. What a break we had. All right. Still. I love the, the middle ad myself. That's my fave. <laughs> I hope hopefully there's a middle one. Hopefully there's enough. Yeah, wouldn't that be good? <laughs> All right. Still in the realm of dance. Now this song, 
absolutely huge. This was like played a lot in Launceston at house parties I would go to. This is Basement Jacks and their track, Where's Your Head At? And it repeats. I could listen to that all day. That's great. Is that was on the mini disc, man? I gotta tell oh. you, that was genuinely that multiple different versions off LimeWire. That one was on the mini disc on regular rotate. Was there Fatboy Slim on there as well? Chemical Brothers, that kind of stuff. Oh yes, Chemical yeah. Brothers, Beastie Boys, Crystal Method. You know the yep. oeuvre. Yep. This album as well, because this was, yes. was this on Rooty. Yeah, it was. Yep. So that's got um, a gorilla eating like a bamboo shoot, I think, yeah. or something like that on the cover, which I know because I, I can see it in my mind's eye. When I was like 14, my oldest brother uh, lived in, in central Wellington in an apartment, and I always used to get confused about which, because they all look the same. He's in apartment blocks. So I always got confused about which one was his apartment, and he had a, a poster of Rooty on the exterior of the, um, of the door going in. So I was like, ah, it's that one. Is that album rocks. This track is amazing. It's so good. Yeah, this was their breakout hit in this country. Uh, so the two guys, Felix Buxton, Simon Ratcliffe, uh, they came together. They used to host a club night in South London, and that's where their name came from. Although they were originally going to be called the Underground Oasis, and then well, someone. I'm glad said, they went with this. Well, this was this was 1994, and then someone, a friend of them, said, "Oh, there's actually a rock band called Oasis, and I think they're going to be pretty big. You might want to change your name." So this is how oh much into dance music in '94 that already released uh, "Live Forever" in '94, like which was I think not I don't think of number one, but it was way up there. And like going, they obviously just go, we don't care about rock music, we just want to listen to the club songs, and that's it. And it's like I really admire that, just going when people can be so. Because I remember, do you know the band The Horrors? No, I don't know the Horrors. U- UK UK band. Uh, Started out looking like uh, five very young Nick Caves in a band. And uh, this was back in like 2004 or 2005. And they were in an interview and someone said, oh, I think it was like a Destiny's Child song or something like that. And they said, oh, we haven't heard that. And the interviewer was like, how can you not hear that? And he goes, well, I don't own a radio. I listen to my records or I make music. I, I don't have a TV. Like I'm not consuming pop culture like you guys are. And it was really like... I was like really impressed that he didn't, because me back then would have been, oh yeah, I've heard that even though I hadn't heard it. Yeah. That's an artist, isn't it? That's yeah. someone who's just into their, they're not there to like chart or get famous or whatever. They're there to make their art. And yeah. that, that freaking rules. Uh, so this was big in the States as well, mainly because it was included in the Lara Croft Tomb Raider soundtrack. Oh, the movie? Yeah. Yeah. The um, Angelina, uh, Jolie. Angelina Jolie movie. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but the um, the film clip for this as well is great. 
Uh, Mix Mag said it's the best dance music video ever made and it was shot in an actual, I don't know if this is, I'm reading here. Can you, I don't know if I can say this, a, a mental hospital. What's the right word for that? They don't call them that anymore. I'm in not Prague, sure what they call them at but the yeah. Moment. But anyway, that's what it was in Prague what with some th- with proper monkeys. They were real monkeys. Oh my god, it's that one. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. Yep. Buzzy. Uh, I've just brought it up on a little um, window. There's a scientist. There's some European-looking people here. Yeah. And they've got a bunch of monkeys freaking out that they've put faces on of the yes. basement jacks. And they're and they're actual vicious monkeys that they used. Um, and it started off, didn't start off as where's your head at? It started off as where are my dogs at? But um, they didn't, the, they thought the theme of the song is madness. So they were like, let's change it and we'll go with where's my head at? Um, I'm glad to hear that because uh, th- who let the dogs out? Yes. Just quick side note. Did you watch that little mini documentary on YouTube about it that I think maybe Vice Music's little sub music section did? I don't think I did. Dog. It's amazing. It's so good. But that song had been kicking around for like decades. Oh. So that song was probably out before the Bahamian made it famous. Yeah. In like Barbados or somewhere, maybe Trinidad and Tobago. I'm not sure where it was. Yep. But it was just like kicking around the islands by the original artist and a couple of people had covered it. So maybe Basement Jacks had heard of it, man. Maybe that was within <laughs> their like scope of shit they were listening to and they were like, nah, we don't want to tread on any toes here. Well, I like when they think like very famous things initially were something else. So do you know the book Where the Wild Things Are? Mm. Uh, Morris Sendak. That was originally Where the Wild Horses Are, but he couldn't get the horse drawings right. So he thought, fuck it, I'll just make them things. Because <laughs> no one can complain about things not looking like they meant to. A, a great fact, and B, spot the dude who was a dad with a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. We're going away from dance music. We're getting into some real, I don't know what you call this, southern rock bullshit. Here we are, Kid Rock and his song from the album Cocky Forever. Music for wrestling. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, does it not hit you in a reptilian way? It, it's Like, it's, I know that look, we, all, we all hate Kid Rock and he, yeah, he's a fucking idiot. But I'm sorry. That song is good. <laughs> it is. It is. I know. It's annoying. It, it's, it's songs for, like, sports stadium kind of, all right, we're about to see something impressive. And, yeah, this is. Yeah. I, I also love a song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love a song that desc- describes what it's doing yeah. in very basic terms. <laughs> yep. All right. Kid Rock, not been on the show before, uh, so let's go into it. So he's from Michigan, not nowhere southern, Michigan. Okay. Real name, Robert Ritchie. He grew up very rich as well. His dad owned a bunch of used car yards in Detroit. 
Uh, in year eight, he started dating a, a girl in his class called Kelly Russell, and they dated for a decade. And then they broke up when he discovered that one of their kids was not actually his. Oh, shit. So you say dated. <laughs> dated and started a family together. Yeah, early, early, uh, like, very young parents. And then she had uh, three kids, and he found out only one was his. He knew she had a kid with someone else. Then the right. other two. Yeah, so, yeah. Oof, devastating. So he signed with Jive Records, who have been everywhere on this podcast. Uh, and they went on tour with Ice Cube, Uh as the opening act, uh, they tried to label him in with the gangster rap, but that failed. They they couldn't get a, this guy. Into yeah, being fucking of a course. <laughs> Had uh, they met him? Yeah. And then he released two independent albums because they dropped him after that jive, and then uh, he signed with Atlantic, and then his album Devil Without a Cause blew up on MTV because it was just that thing of the right time for this kind of stuff. It was like your limp jackass era. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It was like real frat boy. Yeah, we want to wreck stuff. Uh, Around the time this song came out, though, he started dating Pamela Anderson, and uh, she appeared in the film clip. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll blow. That'll blow up a guy. He claims also to be a um, like pretty proficient multi instrumentalist and entirely self taught. And I'm not buying it. I don't think that's true. I think he he got music lessons, and I also don't think he's as good as he claims to be on yeah. all the instruments that he plays. Also, in also, this song, oh, go yeah, on. no, you go. I was going to say he bags out Oprah in this song, um, yes. and Chips. they they have a beef going because uh, he reckons that uh, he was asked uh, to go on her show, but before you can go on the Oprah Winfrey show, you have to fill out a questionnaire giving five reasons why you love Oprah and her show. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you ask me, I'm not coming on your show and doing that. Like, yeah, you asked me to be on your show, which I love. I, I would love as a podcast host to invite people on and go, oh, but please give me five compliments before you come on. Do you have to just write it down or do you have to like say them on camera? Well, he said that he had to, yeah, fill out a form saying why he loved her. That is so crack up. Man, those Americans, what are they like? Well, my fun fact about this song is that um, uh, I, did, for, I don't know why, but I Googled this one because I do remember it at the time. It was a big hit, and I remember everyone like singing along to the chorus and everything, but I, I wanted to look at the wiki. Weirdly, when they do this song live um, at concerts, they he performs the rap, like the song, over the top of Tom Sawyer by Rush. Oh. What's that about? <laughs> I see. It's so weird when artists, you know, it's a twenty-year-old song, and maybe he wants to. He's a bit sick of it, and going, "All right, let's try and mix it up a bit." I guess so, but that's so specific. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Rush fan. Tom Sawyer's one of their biggest songs. It's just such a weird thing to do to get an instrumental version of Tom Sawyer and do a do your completely different song over the top of it when you do it live. It's so strange to me. Well, he's a strange cat. Uh, we, by now, hopefully, not hopefully, but I'm sure you've at least heard about the Bud Light video that he made. Uh, so after Bud Light uh, sent a six-pack to uh, TikTok influencer Dylan Mulvaney, uh, he was, because he's anti-trans and loves Bud, Bud Light, so did a video where he shot 12 cans of beer and then says, oh, I'm not yeah, supporting. And then apparently, like a month later, he was seen out drinking Bud Light. He doesn't care. It's you can tell he's just doing this for for clout. Yeah, of course. 
Of course, well, it's yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of bullshit, isn't it? Yep. That's- I tuned out of that whole bud thing. I saw it bubbling away, and I was like, "This looks f- fucking stupid." So yep. I just did not get into the weeds on that one. Yeah, it's it's a nothing story. The only thing that was a story is because he was a dickhead shooting his big like automatic It felt rifle. to me. And we have diverged a little bit from the point of the podcast now, but that whole episode from the outside looked to me like just kind of corporations and multimillionaire celebrities having a money fight, but like trans people getting in the crossfire of it. And I was like, you know what? Fuck all of this. This ain't for me. That's exactly what it is. All right, let's move on. We're now going to talk about a band that hasn't been on uh, the podcast, but I think we've talked about it in the past because they're very, very influential. This is New Order and their song, 60 Miles an Hour. Thoughts? I was kind of shocked to hear, I looked this one up as well, that this didn't achieve massive chart success because I know this song really well and I don't know why. Like I actually originally, the reason I looked it up is because um, I thought that a version of this was on one of the Wipeout games on uh, PlayStation. They did like a dance. That wasn't it, apparently. So I, this is this song. This track has been on some like a, a, maybe a movie soundtrack that I had something that I like absorbed again and again and again at a, a in the mid two thousands. But I cannot place what it is. So if anyone knows, please hit me up. Can I say in two thousand two, this was right in my wheelhouse. I love this. This was like everything I liked in music right then. It was like I'd I'd like New Order. I'd heard they were very important. New music, great. I'm in. The, I'm 21 years old. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. Uh, but what I like more was their first single, which was called Crystal, which um, they did a very smart thing because they're, you know, by this stage, they're quite old. Uh, yeah. And so for Crystal, they just got a bunch of young models to pretend to be the band and perform it. And Genius. The band was called The Killers, which is where Brandon Flowers got the name for his band from. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a huge New Order fan. And so yeah. it was like, oh, I'm taking that. And so New Order, for those who don't know, were the remaining members of Joy Division after Ian Curtis hanged himself. And then added members, Gillian Gilbert, Phil Cunningham, and Tom Chapman. They're probably the, the most influential to that whole Manchester Hacienda, uh, which we talked about a bunch in the earlier, earlier um, uh, episodes. Uh, so, his, so the band were told like by their management, you should keep going. 
as a band, even though Ian's no longer here. And right. the, ba- the band had already talked about if one member leaves, they'll not use the name Joy Division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Ian Curtis... Also sadly, a little bit on the nose when someone killed themselves, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But he, he it was the day before they were going to, on their American tour as well, which would have been, you know... Oof. Very, I mean, it would have been sad anyway, but that's the yeah. whole thing of like, oh, we're working towards this and it's taken away. Uh, yeah. So they played their first gig at the Manchester Beach Club on the 30th of May, 1980, when a Belgian act called The Names uh, pulled out. And so these guys build themselves as The No Names, and that was their first <laughs> gig post uh, Joy Division. And then they settled down. They were going to be called The Witch Doctors of Zimbabwe. Or okay. the New Order of Campunchian Rebels, which was a headline in The Guardian, and then they whittled it down to just New Order. And they would, like like to, that. they would like to say it has nothing to do with Nazis, even though Joy Division did, and you can say that New Order, you know, it's in the Arguably realm could. of that, but they're like, no, yes. it didn't. Yep. They're claiming it shorthand for a whole other potentially nationalist thing from a different yes. continent. Um, <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the track, though. I don't know. I don't have anything intelligent to say about the track oh. other than it rolls. Yeah. It's so good. It's great. I mean, that album, Get Ready, uh, the, that and Crystal are the only two. De- oh, there's probably one more decent song from memory. But yeah, it was, it's pretty hit and miss, that album. But when I was 21, I was like, fuck, just give me those singles. Here's, here's a fact. This, uh, yeah, go on. Here's a fact about the band. In 1979, Peter Hook and Stephen Morris were suspects believed to be the Yorkshire Ripper a serial killer who murdered 13 women because a lot of the murders coincided with Joy Division touring gigs. Damn. That sounds yeah. like how people figured out that tism were actually school teachers because they only toured during the school holidays. <laughs> Just putting the pieces together. So it wasn't them? It wasn't them. No, the guy got caught. How, okay. how strong was the evidence though? You know what I mean? Like is the door still open ajar? Well, there's been... I don't know. I don't know if there's been any murders since Peter Hook's been all, doing his, his tour. <laughs> all murders are horrible, obviously, but great mistake for the band, isn't yes. it? So just if the if the doors open ajar to the possibility that a couple of the band members are serial killers. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. This is the last time we get to speak about her. I've been a big fan. I think it's we're right, right for a comeback. So many artists we've talked about on this podcast have made comebacks since I started. This is the next one. This is Janet Jackson featuring Missy Elliott, Carly Simon, and P. Diddy. This is Son of a Gun, I Bet You Think This Song Is About You. Ha ha hoo hoo, thought you get the money too. Greeting, 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 try to have that cake you needed too. Let's go. Bad boy, baby. Yeah, I'm Damn, so you fine. Yeah. Let's go. I changed all the credit cards and switched the locks to all my doors. You thought my heart would be destroyed. Look around, cause I'm chilling, boy. What you go and get your lawyers for? I makes my dough and just one show, you know. Your lawyer should have let you know, you know. When you sue me, you gon' be broke, you know. Ain't no way that you can bring me down, either. Any chick that you stick is real season. Before I need you, I bet you gon' need me. You ain't want me anyway, you wanted to be me. What made you think I keep you round? Well, I work my ass off and you just lounge, huh? You slump, bump, son of a gun, and uh, how much you worth? I think negative done. to breaking hearts, baby jiggle sex pistol, hollering and everything that works. No substance, just small talk. Who's going on? 
All right, I'm going to pause it there. I'm going to go back to the end so we can hear the bit where Carly Simon sings. Thank you. Thank God. Or when I say sings, rap. is you probably think this song is about you, don't you? That's Carly Simon. That is her contribution to the track? Yeah, she, she does it as a rap. But that's it. Oh, a little. She does a little bit more. I didn't want to have to play the whole thing. She just says the line, "Hey, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. so vain." But what happened was, so they phoned her up and said, "Hey, can we use your sample?" And she was like, "Sure." Uh, but they said, "Can we get you to re-record some vocals so it fits with the beat?" And so she was in her studio in Martha's Vineyard, and she wrapped it, thinking that they wouldn't use that, but that was just to get her head into the thing. And so they went, "No, no, we're going to use that bit. That was great." So. <laughs> Carly Simon is rapping in 2002. Um, yeah, so this was written by her songwriting team of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, and it's got Missy Elliott on it. We talked about Missy Elliott last episode with Nikki Britton. And this is a few, Tim. So what happened was Missy Elliott grew up in poverty and as a child would write to Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson saying, can you please come and rescue me? And then years later, Janet Jackson reached out to Missy Elliott saying, I want you to come work on my song. I really like what you do. Like, incredible. Um, I was weirdly, it's weird that this has come up because I was thinking, I think it was yesterday, just about how like Missy Elliott does not get her props these days. No. Don't you think? Like she was genuinely such a trailblazer in terms of women in hip hop and like early female MCs. And she just like, I feel like she does not get recognition or flowers these days for what she did. What was the she last was huge? Thing? Yeah, what has she done? What's the last thing she's done? Because she was massive in Get Your Freak On and, and Work yeah. It. Yeah. They were the two big ones in this country anyway. Those were the big commercial ones here as well. But like, I don't know. I think she's just kept working as far as yeah. I know. Um, I haven't checked in on Missy Elliott recently, but she just came into my head. That track though, I'd never heard that damn track in my life before today. This is ne- brand new to me. I'd never heard it either. I really liked it. I, it was also though her. She releases a single, her lowest charting single, at that time ever. Yeah, I'm not shocked to hear it because like that was just you know when you started rattling off names, it's Janet Jackson with Missy Elliott and yeah. Carly Simon, and it's remixed by Peter. I was like, you know what, dog? There's too many ingredients here. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. It has ruined this horrible layered dish. I'm not into that track. Didn't like it. Not for me. Uh, in the UK, it was released on the same day as Michael Jackson's single Cry. Janet's single went better. She got 13, he got tw- 25. Whoa. Is that like one of the only time? That must be the only time that, that she's beaten him, surely. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there was a lot of allegations going around there. And I don't think Michael Jackson uh, was really going to be playing. Oh, yeah, that would have been the radio. time, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, good point, good point. All right, now we're moving on to our final song. And that's the second reason why you shouldn't abuse children. <laughs> this is Nivea with Pusha T and her song, Run Away, I Want to Be With You. Where you going, girl? Run away, run away. You can't run away from my love. Girl, 
that's enough for me too. I'm not a big um, R&B guy. It's like the one genre of music that I, I, I just can't. I think I'm too white for it. I think I'm just like, you do the 23 and me, it is entirely English, Irish, and Scottish. And therefore, I just don't think I have the access point for R&B. Any other genre of music I like can love and listen to and really enjoy. But R&B, man, it's, it's one that I've always struggled with. I would recommend listen to her song, Don't Mess With The Radio. We, we talked about it two weeks ago with Hing. It's a really good song. It did Sweet. better in the charts here than this one did. This one only got to 47. Um, but this is what happened. So this has got the what Neptunes. What is going on with this 100% Hits compilation? We got, a, we got a song in here that was number 47 on the charts. Some of this them don't even chart This is record here. company bullshit. So this was, so she signed to Jive Records. And they tried to sell her as the black Britney Spears. That's what they were really pushing her. And right. so they were trying to market her in on white radio, even though she I've, she was on The Breakfast Club five years ago doing an interview. And she was like saying, I was rapping, but they said, no, you're not allowed to rap. You're only going to sing. And she goes, back then, you couldn't do both. Damn. And so her manager at the time also stole a bunch of money from her because she was under 18 he was made her power of attorney. And oh. so she would get paid for these shows and he would tell her, no, no, this is a promo gig. Like they're doing us a favor. So you don't get paid. It's just to promote, promote you. And he's getting bullshit. like, so apparently he stole $85,000 off her in a year. Woof. Yeah. Which is a lot of money for someone who's under 18. Yeah, um, and uh, I think just to put it in context, in 2023, I believe that is $2.1 billion yes. these days. It's a lot uh, of money per gig. So this has the production of the Neptunes behind it. Uh, so Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo. And in 2001, 2002, they were everywhere, okay? So they had their own album, NERD, with their friend Shay Haley. But these are the, these are the bands that they either produced or remixed in the space of two years. Backstreet Boys. P. Diddy, NSYNC, Jadakiss, Usher, Garbage, T.I., Babyface, Daft Punk, Kalise, All Saints, Britney Spears, Buster Rhymes, Limp Biscuit, Ice Cube, Air, Destiny's Child, Nelly, TLC, Justin Timberlake, LL Cool J, Alicia Keys, Jay-Z, Ja Rule, Snoop Dogg, Solange, Common. And there's like 30 others I didn't name. Like That is genuinely <laughs> shocking. That is like the entire music world. Yeah. And they wrote their own album in that time as well. How? Man, there's, I don't know. I guess like people who, who, like academics of artists, people who study the life of artists, they talk about these, these periods in their life where they just have this incredible um, time of production where people are both... Uh, creating at an incredibly high clip, just producing all of this work, but also the quality of it is really high. That yep. must have been the pocket for these dudes, eh? That yep. is unfathomable. Just and a two-year period. And this is all before they did Milkshake by Kelly's. Like, it's, it's just nuts. <laughs> amazing. I mean, look, this song by Nivea, I'm sure is not even making the CV for those guys. But... But they're learning, right? Every every yeah. single track, every like act that they're working with, they're learning a new track. Yep. in there to use in future production. Well, right. I don't love the track, but I love that it's part of this incredible run for, for Pharrell. Yeah. All right. That is the end of the songs we're going to talk about. So let's go through them, Tim, and you tell me if you think it is a hit. Okay. Overprotected by Britney Spears. Hit. 
Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue. Such a hit. The Sound of Breaking Up by Paul Mack. Nah, dog, it isn't a hit. <laughs> it's not a hit. Who Do You Love by Reva featuring Danny Minogue. Uh, instrumental version hit. This version, <laughs> no sir. Not a hit. IIO and Rapture. Hit. Where's Your Head At, Basement Jacks. Huge hit. Forever by Kid Rock. Begrudgingly, it's a hit. <laughs> it's a hit. 60 Miles an Hour by New Order. Hit. Son of a Gun by Janet Jackson, Carly Simon, and Missy Elliott. Not a hit. And Nivea, Runaway, I Want to Be With You. Not a hit. Six, 60% hits. That's pretty good. I think if you racially profiled my choices as well, it's going to be not a great day for old Timbo. So um, apologies for that. Hey, Nadia Ali, she's from Pakistan. So there you go. That's okay. <laughs> And the others, uh, yeah, okay. This does feel like a situation where if we keep doing math, it's just digging a bigger hole for me, Josh. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, team. Hey, you've got what do you got to plug? Tell the people where they can f- hear you. Um, man, I would love people to tune in to a podcast that some people have forgotten still exists. It's coming up to 10 years of The Worst Idea of All Time. Myself and Guy Montgomery watch a bad movie too many times. This season, we're doing Fast and Furious, the whole franchise, but we're doing it backwards. So we watched Fast 9 nine times, then we did 8 eight times, and so on and so forth. We're up to about our last watch of Fast 5 soon. So it's exciting times. Who came up with Fast and Furious, and who came up with watching them nine times, eight times, seven times, six times? Um... I look. I don't, I wouldn't claim to know. My memory's too bad. Okay. But I do think I can't remember who came up with Fast and Furious. But it's been floated a lot by uh, listeners. Yeah. Um, but I think I might have floated the idea of doing the nine eight seven thing. But right. I I can't claim it for sure. Well, I can't wait to hear next season all about Crossroads. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Special feature. Hey. Everyone, uh, this is the second last episode of this. Uh, on Patreon, we're still going to be doing Pod Machine, all the all the podcasts about the Hit Machine series, which then goes into So Fresh. And then in three weeks' time, I start a new podcast called Four Burners. And so I'll put the first one in this feed, and then from then on, go and go go find the new feed. It's everywhere podcasts are found. It's me and a guest talking about life, career, health, uh, relationships. Family. Family, friends, all that kind of stuff. But it'll be funny as well. But also interesting, but funny. So anyway, go to patreon.com slash DYKWIA and get all the pod machine ones. I just did one uh, last night with Adam Richard, which is very funny, talking about Hit Machine 24. And uh, yeah, tune in next week. It's our last guest, our last guest ever. Tim, at the start of this podcast, I said, I want Kylie to be the last guest. I think she's too busy these days. I reckon. God damn it. Did you get close? 18 months ago, well, feelers are out there for Danny. If right. you know Danny. I, Danny could do it. You could get Danny. I reckon I could get Danny. But Best of luck with that, Josh. I hope it goes well for you. But the other thing is, th- 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 there is someone on the next half that I actually do know personally. So I might ask them if they're in town. But anyway, it's going to be interesting. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for uh, being a guest, Tim. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 